the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Let's get it rolling right here and right now. This is New Generation Declassified, and you're listening to a brand new episode of New Generation Declassified here exclusively on the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling's Podcasting Empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week we step back into the new generation to explore and declassify some old stories, maybe some stuff you've never heard before. But regardless of what it is, it's going to talk about something specific to the time frame of the WWF's new generation. And this week is no different as we look back at the January 16th, 1995 Monday Night Raw featuring a special guest uh, pulling his second week of duty for the WWF as Captain Kirk himself, William Shatner, joins the Monday Night Raw fracas to aid Mr. Brett the Hitman Hart in his match with Double J Jeff Jarrett. More on that in just a couple of minutes. But as we sit here and get ready to talk about this Monday Night Raw, I want to welcome in my sidekick for the evening from the Crack Broadcast team, holding it down there in the Sunshine State, Mr. Timmy W. Tim, how's everything going in your world this evening? Everything's going great. Um Filling in for CP. I hope I can fill in some big shoes, but I'm feeling pretty agile today, so we'll see how it goes. I don't know how big the shoes are. I didn't get a measurement, so I don't know how big the shoes are just yet, but CP uh, doing his thing on vacation, uh, somewhere exotic, I'm sure, somewhere lovely. Social distancing, of course, taking precautions, making sure you don't breathe on anybody. I did it myself last week. It was quite the task, but we got through it, and last week's episode uh, being a solo shot and uh, and a fun one, listening back to it and kind of getting a vibe for more of an intimate conversation uh, talking about a very intense interview with the Macho Man Randy Savage and Vince McMahon, kind of detailing, was that the last shot for the Macho Man and the WWF Championship? Uh, obviously, yes, it would be if we looked in the crystal ball, but at that point, we didn't know it. And even at this point, in January 1995, we had no clue. We didn't know that that was it for a guy like the Macho Man because he was gone by for about three months by the time this show hit the airwaves. And uh, the significance of this show is really nothing. I I just kind of stumbled upon it as I was looking for other things uh, to cover. And it wasn't even because of William Shatner. I liked the build for the opening match. We'll talk about here in a second that that's what really caught me. And as I watched more of the show, I was like, oh, damn, this is the one with William Shatner and Bret Hart's corner. Didn't really jump off the page to me. Um, Didn't really give a you know what either way about William Shatner being on Monday Night Raw, but in 1995, William Shatner kind of like, I would say, down the celebrity ladder. Uh, He would make his way back up. Um, Captain Kirk always being the pop culture icon that he is, but at that point, it was in the early... Yeah, but this is past TJ Hooker. This is... is, This is way past it. Uh, But, you know... Tech Wars or something he's promoting? Yeah, but the thing that I find funny about it is that, you know, 
the last time I think we would have really seen him on a national show, it was uh, a Saturday Night Live appearance ripping the Trekkies, which was hilarious. Um, but, uh, you know, William Shatner uh, in this time frame fits the WWF very well because of the fact he is, you know, kind of like an out there celebrity, really, really, really famous and popular at one point, And then in another, not so much. That's where he kind of fits into the WWF mold. But then a few years later, you do the 10, 10, 220s, and he'd be right back up the William Shatner uh, ladder, do a few Star Trek pop-ins, and then we're off. But that wasn't even why I tapped into this show. The opening match of this Monday Night Raw is what really caught my eye. Now, to give you a little context and a little background, it's the January 16th, 1995 edition of Monday Night Raw. It is one week before the 1995 Royal Rumble. Now, the 1995 Royal Rumble, not really jumping off the page to anybody in terms of memorable memorable moments outside of the quote, Shawn Michaels, you know, Iron Man uh, run through the match. Here's the backstory to that. It wasn't really that much of an Iron Man match. It was the shortest Royal Rumble in history. And Shawn Michaels just happened to be in there from, I think it was number one or number two with the Bulldog and be there all the way at the end with the Bulldog. Um, not necessarily an Iron Man match. Do you remember the 95 Rumble? Is this one that would stick out to you in the Royal Rumble pantheon of events? Yeah, I'm with you. No, not not in the top 10. Not something that comes to mind. Um, Pam Anderson's probably was more more memorable to me than even anything else in the Rumble. <laughs> nah, it's definitely yeah. not up there. Yeah, and it was it, it was the Pamela Anderson inclusion. It was also where the Lawrence Taylor Bam Bam Bigelow feud would kind of see like a a the first push, um, which I remember watching it and being like, "Why is the guy from the Giants, Alan, you know, involved in WWF? Who cares?" Um, but it ended up, yeah, you know, it, it ended up being something at least that was. I guess memorable, but maybe not the greatest. It was more of a uh, great about how Bam Bam could really work with anybody and make Lawrence Taylor look so good. Like he did at WrestleMania 11, but the 95 rumble, eh, it's just, it it falls in the eh column for me. Not, not one that I would go out of my way to watch if I was feeling so inclined to go watch a vintage rumble. Uh, But the, the show itself uh, taped at the Houston summit, in Houston, Texas, a great venue uh, for wrestling, a very historic venue for wrestling. Uh, But the thing I found really odd about this taping is that they only taped two shows that night because normally they would tape three. And the thing that's very odd about it is that there was a lot of dark matches before the show actually began. And I had mentioned to you before we started recording the, the funniest little thing, little nugget to this night which actually the the whole entire show was taped on January 9th, 1995 uh, in Houston, Texas at the summit. Um, (laughs) The first little note about the event is there was an uh, untelevised interview conducted by Vince McMahon with Dick Murdoch in the entryway. And now Dick Murdoch would be in the 1995 rumble, but it's just really strange that Vince McMahon would do an untelevised entranceway interview with a guy like dick murdoch and i feel like like literally looking at everything on this show including a bret hart uh owen hart no holds barred match i want to see dick murdoch with vince mcmahon <laughs> that's the thing really? i kind of want to see more than anything right especially because you never get murdoch in wwf you know any anyway so this is almost like a one-off and then you got the secret interview that we've never even seen he, he murdoch was there 
in he left with uh, Adrian Adon. Well, whenever Adrian left uh, for that brief amount of time, but Murdoch was gone after what eighty four. The the yeah. the, uh, the the uh, you know the tag team champions with Adrian Adonis. He's gone, and you know obviously the legendary stories about a guy like Dick Murdoch wouldn't necessarily say he was anything but a recluse. And, you know, one of those guys kind of beats to his own drum. The fact he pops into the 95 Rumble, I love that because that's what gave the Royal Rumble its luster of right. you never know who's going to be in the match. And, you know, one year it was uh, the following year is 96. It was Dory Funk Jr. In 97, it was actually Terry Funk uh, made a surprise uh, entrance. What's that? Chainsaw Charlie. Yeah, no, he wasn't Chainsaw Charlie yet. No, that was ninety eight. Yeah. Ninety seven, they were in uh, they were in San Antonio, Texas, and he did uh, the appearance in the full Terry Funk attire. You know the the, the black tights with the white and the red, and um, not a memorable uh, time. He came in very late. But the more famous incident with Terry Funk, you can hit the play button on this, by the way. Uh, But the more memorable moment for Terry Funk is the shotgun Saturday night that they did the night before the Royal Rumble. That's the cooler thing um, about the the Terry Funk inclusion. But that was the cool part about the Rumble. So now, um, you know, what I find to be really uh, interesting about this one specifically is that you know, if Dick Murdoch was going to be your surprise guy for your quote shortest rumble ever, you're already in a lot of trouble. And I'm not trying to knock uh, that match because I do like the participants in the match, and it's very uh, specific to everything we talk about week in and week out. Um, but like I said, the thing that caught my eye was the opening match. It's the one, two, three kid and Bob Holly taking on the heavenly bodies. Now there was a tag team title tournament that was going on that would culminate at the Royal Rumble. And the underdog team of the one, two, three kid and Bob Holly, were going to take on Tatanka and Bam Bam Bigelow, who we would see in the aisleway midway through this match. But the work that goes on between the kid, Holly and the heavenly bodies in four minutes is like, it's awesome. Now, as the show gets kicked off, we have a very, very mulleted Shawn Michaels with Vince McMahon in front of such a green screen. Nowhere near this uh, arena are the two of them while this is being filmed. And this falls into the WWE production magic of Vince McMahon was steadfast that, yes, the shows were taped, but he would have as current a commentating track as there could be for these pre-taped shows. So here you got Shawn Michaels. Here you got Vince McMahon. They're in Titan Tower. They're in this. Excuse me. They're in the Connecticut studio down the street from Titan Tower. And you'll know that they did that because they will throw references that have ba- basically been specific to that week or the prior week. It's mm-hmm. a fascinating thing, but that's the WWF magic. And that's I mean, the beauty, you. but you can see it. It's a green screen. As a kid though, that, that, that was something that completely went through my one ear at the other. I never would have guessed that. Cause to me, it looked live and all look live. I didn't know what a tape delay was and they pulled it off, you know, for their target audience. I think that they did a tremendous job. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And it's uh, it's just, again, it's just it's one of those things. Nobody did the television better than them. And, uh, you know, to start off hot now, they, they tell you at the beginning of this match that this is a rematch from the semifinals to get to the tournament where the kid and Bob Holly beat the Heavenly Bodies, who at this point, and I love Dr. Tom more than anybody, the Heavenly Bodies were were not doing very well on that roster. They were getting jobbed out. They were pushed off to the side. And it sucks because they were such a good team. 
and so fluid and literally looked like they could work with everybody. But I just I wish that Dr. Tom had the chance to have some sort of cool singles run in the WWF as much as I love him in a tag team. Uh, but here you got a guy like Waltman and you got a guy like Bob Holly who they're in the, you know, they're in ridiculous shape. They're young, they're athletic. And this is a hell of a four way, uh, you know, four gentlemen in the ring here contest to, to kick off a show. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at it. It's almost like four super, you know, four guys you'd see on superstars, but it really was a, jump start to two of those guys right there i mean one two three kid that, that, that this was yeah they, one, you know, they that, knock that, him out of the ring they, they dump him really quick and they're going to work on bob holly now one cool thing i like oh that was a stiff kick there by jimmy del rey one cool thing i really like about uh bob holly and the kid here is that bob holly's tights are almost identical to the one two three kid which you know, Bob Holly was always more like your red or blue, very NASCAR-y, very race car Spark, style. And here it's, it's black. He's no right. longer the spark plug. Um, no, little funny. Dressing like it. Little funny story. Well, he's Bob Spark Plug Holly. He's, but he's not <laughs> Thurman Sparky Plug. He's not Sparky Plug. He's Bob Spark Plug Holly. And I have in my possession, and this has been told to me by Mr. Holly, a great gentleman, guy who I love. Uh, I have the only picture he has ever signed Thurman Sparky Bob Sparkplug Holly like this long 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 thing because when we were talking I was telling him about growing up how I loved the Bob Holly Sparkplug character because he was a great underneath guy and he he's you know he he appreciated and he said you know Ian I'm gonna do this for you I've never done this for anybody else and he wrote this long thing, all his names on the picture, and it was uh, it's a great keepsake. But um, love talking to Bob Holly about this time frame because, you know, it was hard for him to penetrate anything past where we see him right now. This opening match, second match, really setting the table for the night. But on Monday Night Raw, like you said, it you used to seeing these guys on Superstars. So seeing Monday Night Raw kicking off with Bob Holly and the One Two Three Kid, the kid we see on Raw all the time. But for Bob Holly, it really elevated him. And now any other time you saw Bob Holly on a Raw, it gave him a little more street cred because now you're seeing him in a tag team match where, you know, they're they're poised to fight for the tag titles next week. They're not losing. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you your brain is telling you these things and it, it kind of cemented Bob Holly in, in the face of your, you know, your your young fan at that point. It is. And then one thing you failed to mention is the uh, manager for uh, our, our heels here is a uh, good old That's Jimmy right. James E. Oh. Cornette, you know, at this point, Cornette, and we, it's not the first time, or it's not the last time we're going to see Cornette on this show, uh, oddly enough. Um, but also, as, as we're talking about this, uh, the million dollar man, Tatanka and Bam Bam have made their way to the ringside. So now one cool shot about this, again, from the production aspect, is you don't get the head on to the uh the, the hard cam being on the entranceway much usually it's off to the side or, or it's the positioning of the building so i find this to be a very interesting um uh layout because i believe that the houston summit hosted the 1989 royal rumble and in that you have your traditional hard cam so i wonder why they had to face the uh the entranceway on this that's one thing i wish i could have asked somebody on the crew god man that i failed to prepare for this one 
It almost reminds me of an ECW layout. Is <laughs> the way they're the, the, the yeah, camera. sort of. Yeah. When when ECW would go on the road and be in like Florida or something, and here because the finish right here, you got to look at that a bridge and a count and a victory and Bob Holly perfect flex. Yeah, hammering uh, Dr. Tom there off in the, the side corner. And the kid and Bob Holly win with a bridge heading into the Rumble. So big, big victory. And, uh, you know, Bam Bam and Tatanka are basically saying, like, you ain't shit as they're walking away from the uh, from the ringside. And there's the classic one, two, three uh, silhouette in the uh, the crowd, which, you know, to see that live is a hell of a thing. And boom, there he is. There hey, is Captain sir. Kirk. With uh, Brett the Hitman Hart, Brett looking about as Hitman as he could ever look with the great jacket and uh, Shatner. And this is, an, this is another production thing I noticed right off the top. Brett and William Shatner are talking to a taped Shawn Michaels. So their answers are always either right on top of when the la- like the literal last second the, the word is spoken or it's about to jump the gun. So usually it's a producer who's feeding them the lines and they're responding to, to the producer, but they're telling you, Hey, this is Sean or right. whomever it was supposed to be. And uh, yeah, love, uh, love this kind of stuff. But William Shatner, uh, I wonder why in Texas, does he live in Texas? Like what? <laughs> so random that he's on both of these, these shows in, in Houston, Texas. Very, very strange. Yeah. I can't answer that one either. Um, I don't know if that's where captain Kirk retired to at that point or, or, you know, what he was doing there, but they, they, they needed a star at that time. And I, they went out and grabbed who they could find. Now the debut of Mantar is up next, but this is the Monday night raw debut of Mantar. He had I been on, because I thought he had, I'd seen him before that too. And then I saw yeah. quotes and Monday what, raw. Right. So, well, what they did was they changed his look because he came to the ring with a giant head and yeah. they had to get rid of the head. And in later years, they would play, you know, goofy gimmicks that appeared on Monday Night Raw, and they would always put Mantar with the head in the montage. And and I always remembered he never wore the head on Raw. He wore it on Superstars. And oddly, managed by James E. Cornette. It was everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it literally makes no sense. And Cornette's talked about it before, um, you know, the the pairing, but... I, I don't know if it's to get this guy a little heat, get this guy, uh, you know, over as a heel. But, I mean, you know, this gimmick is not good. <laughs> Any way you slice it, even if you brought 1985-era Hulk Hogan back, it's still not a good gimmick. No, he, would, he wouldn't last long there, and even in Hogan era. He, would, he was no Bundy, that's for sure. I mean, just this had no life whatsoever. And just, you know, even just to take our minds off of this match, the previous week, Bundy had appeared on the show because Bundy had now come back. He came back late 94. And this was an era where King Kong Bundy was supposed to come back to help get over a lot of the baby faces. But they just they did nothing with Bundy. And, you know, Bundy and I had talked about it a lot before prior to him passing away last year. It was so set up for him to to get these guys over but he he kind of resented the fact that all the baby faces outside of a guy like nash were all small these bret hearts and Shawn michaels and the kid and all and he, i guess he didn't feel he had a lot of great guys to work with so uh funny we're seeing this new character mantar when you got a guy like bundy who why put bundy with cornet yeah seriously you I know mean, that, that would give him some name face new name value there with Bundy. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, and and let's not discount the million dollar corporation, which Bundy would join, and it's Bam Bam, and it's Tatanka, and you know, Kama, and Sid would eventually be in the million dollar corporation. Corporation being what they were, that was a great little faction. The kid would end up joining by the end of '95. Um, but I'm putting Bundy with a guy like Cornette if you need a, a monster with a mouthpiece. And you know, no offense to Mantar here. I mean, that was a, even that splash wasn't very good that he just ended the match with it just uh you know there's a lot of bad ideas that come through the desk of the chairman this might be you know on the the list of the uh the a <laughs> anything that has an a or a one next to it i'm gonna put mantar on it i'm curious because I, I you know my vast you know knowledge of wrestling I, this is one guy that's kind of slipped through the cracks for me other than the uh, jokes you always hear about you know mantar and in the gimmick era, but uh, do you know any much or much beyond Mantar with this dude? Uh, yeah, I mean Mantar. You know, he was basically what they would do with it. it they 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 take a guy. His name was um uh he he wrestled his uh God what was the name? Uh, they put Bruiser Mestino. I want to say oh, was yeah, one of his is. names. Yep. Um, yeah, Bruiser Mestino. Um. What were they going to do with him? He was just a guy who had been in, in the business for a few years. They brought him in, and he should have been huge, and he he wasn't. He'd be around for a few years. They'd bring him back in 97 um, as Tank in the Truth Commission. Oh, that but, was Tank. I did. I did yeah, that. yeah. Okay. That's what and, I was doing. Uh, yeah, he just had no real, you know, big run, and it was just going to build him as a monster. Um but I mean, I could be the most I've ever talked about Mantar in my life. Um, <laughs> Doesn't it feel good? I, I don't, yeah, I don't want to talk over Todd Pettengill, our boy, oh. uh, the Toddster. Um, the I love that tie. With his tie giving us the Royal Rumble report. And if you remember, I'll be your Pettengill any day of the week. Um, but, uh, you know, I always look forward to these things. I always look forward to the Royal Rumble report. And here, like you said before, there's the, the build that Pamela Anderson was going to be at the show. And that itself was huge because she was a giant celebrity in 1995. Probably, I would say, if not at the peak, approaching the peak of her popularity in 95, you know, Baywatch and obviously, you know, all the other things that she did in pop culture. Um, But, you know, Anderson was at that age. (laughs) They, you know, my teens, uh, we all did. Yeah, I'm sure you had a couple posters there. Yes. Yes. Remember tool time that, that, that put her on the map. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, home improvement. That's where it kind of like, you know, it, it helped build the, uh, you know, the, the the legend that it would become, you know, and, and her being a part of this show almost contradicts exactly what I said about Shatner. Guys on the down end. This was a weird one for them that they would get somebody who was approaching the peak. And then at WrestleMania, you throw in Jenny McCarthy and yep. you throw in all the others. So Jonathan Taylor Thomas was at WrestleMania. So they, they had more modern stars but you know shatner like if shatner came back in like you know 2001 or 2002 or something it could have been huge and i know he'd guest host in like you know the guest hosting era Mm -hmm. but you know just crazy but they're running down the royal rumble card and uh the royal rumble card is eh. you know you got jeff jarrett going against the uh the intercontinental champion razor ramon you have the undertaker taking on irs Weird. The finals of the tag team uh, championship tournament and then Bret Hart versus Diesel for the world title, which, you know, rematch or what would be it was rematch of King of the Ring uh, 94. And then again, would they'd have another pay-per-view match at the end of uh, 95 Survivor Series. We've talked about that before. But um, 
just to show itself. It just how with all that, it just still kind of comes out like, eh, you know, it's it, it's very strange, but maybe it's just indicative of the time. Who knows? It just seems like a bunch of just throw a couple names in it, you know, in a bowl and pick them out for the matches. And then you got the usual cast that we've talked about that carried this generation with the, you know, the top guys, Taker and Michaels and Hart. You know that that they were the scene for those years and Nash. You know, and it just it it just doesn't strike me. And maybe because it's the build up to a Royal Rumble, and even in '94, you know, we had the Hart brothers and uh, the Quebecers. Then we had that big Royal Rumble ending with Luger and Bret Hart. And then '93 was kind of eh too. '93 wasn't really, you know, I wouldn't say it was. I like it now. Back then, I hated it. But you look at like Royal Rumble 92 could possibly be the most epic, epic you know, pay-per-view match of all time. That 92 Rumble, um, the 91 Rumble. Well, the, the 91 Rumble had the the shocking Sergeant Slaughter victory over the Warrior, you know, and, and Hogan winning in the, amidst the Desert Storm stuff. Uh, 1990, you know, Hogan winning again, but it was a star-studded match. Um, 89 was in, but you know, but you know what I'm saying? The, the Royal rumble, it always was like such a standout event. And this one kind of took like a, a sidebar, um, you know, a little diversion, but you know, nonetheless, everybody that we've talked about every single week is basically on this show. Yeah. Yeah. There's no standout moments. That's just what it comes down to for this one. You know, I I don't know. And that's okay. That's okay. I mean, you know, the Razor Ramon Jeff Jarrett match, it's memorable. Jeff Jarrett <laughs> captures his first Intercontinental Championship. You know, the roadie is basically a brand new character at this point. So, I mean, it introduced some new dimensions to different guys, but just as a whole, it, it just it falls a little strange. They went with the babyface versus babyface title match. Brett has said many, many times he didn't feel that that was the right way to go because it kind of makes them both look stupid. And look weak because Diesel can't beat Brett cleanly. It was the the match is filled with run-ins and filled with outside interference, um, and it and and you know it just doesn't play out as good as it maybe did later on in the year and and at Survivor Series. Um, but the show itself too. I mean, look at this. I mean, we're almost done with the show because Jeff Jarrett and Bret Hart is the main event of the contest, and Jeff Jarrett's starting to head to the ring. So it, it's those one-hour uh, Monday Night Raws that make the difference. I mean, I, I just read something yesterday where somebody said uh, talking about this Raw Underground thing that they just came up with. Like maybe three hours of Raw is killing the creativity so much that they have to come up with these things. Whereas here, what do we have? Tag team title match, Royal Rumble report, Mantar squashes a guy, and now boom, here's the main event. A great match on paper with Bret Hart and uh, Jeff Jarrett. You feel complete. You feel like you got a lot out of it. You didn't lose attention. You know, it built the storylines leading to WrestleMania. It it just wasn't giving you too much just to fill the air. And this is the go-home show to the Royal Rumble. So until unless you're watching the Saturday shows, if you didn't watch Superstars, which, I mean, if you didn't, you're an idiot, um, or you didn't watch a wrestling challenge, which was still around at this point, was about to end, um, you're, you're not seeing Diesel on this show. You know, you don't see Lex Luger. You know, you're not seeing Owen Hart. You're not seeing some of these guys. Well, I don't want to say anything about Owen Hart yet, just in case he makes a run. And at the end, but, you know, you're not seeing Razor Ramon. You're not seeing these guys that 
on one hour, you squeezed in. We got to see Jimmy Del Rey and Mantar on the go home show. You know, it just, it, it's one of those things. It's, it's a lost era, but it's something about the era that makes sense looking back and why I can go back and watch these shows and enjoy them versus having to grueling sit down and watch some of this, this garbage that they're putting out today. Yeah, it was just pure entertainment and it was actually building storylines and not just pushing everything in your face all at once. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Such a shame. And I mean that from the fact that like, it's a shame that, you know, the business has gone to where it is right now. Uh, but look at, look at William Shatner taking those, uh, the, taking the jacket. Off. I thought he was going to take the glasses off of Brett, like how the anvil, <laughs> how the anvil used to rip them off. Um, but look at that. Uh, Shatner gets to hold the jacket. Brett's going to go give those uh, glasses out. And here's a great little nugget to this. If you remember, there was a clip that would always be played in Bret Hart promos uh, for years and years and years. It's from this show when he gives this little guy in the front row his glasses because <laughs> he's got a Bret Hart style jacket on. This clip wow. is always in the loop of Bret Hart montages that they show. And when I saw that, I popped because I was like, man, there it is. That's the one <laughs> that and the kid who calls him Brett down the yeah. hall. Those are the two like Brett kid clips that they always show. And there's the kid right there. And what a sweet jacket, man. Whoever made that kid's jacket oh, is a plus in, in my book, because that is I one know. hell of a job. I know you wanted you so wanted to be that kid at that time, didn't you? You wanted to be in those clips. It's so cool. So great. And, and, you know, and Brett, like just to talk about Brett, you know, now at this point, you know, not the champion, but as much as he revered being champion and as much as he was a great champion, man, he'd ever needed the belt. I mean, Brett is just one of those guys where you just can believe him and watch him have great match after match after match. And having the title was great because he does make a great champion. So it's one of those things where does the belt make the man or does the man make the belt? Right. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm in the middle still of reading the, the best book that you've ever told me to read in, in Bret Hart's story. And man, I'm about at these years right now. And he even himself, you know, says how he doesn't need that belt. He didn't need it at this time to get to this to draw the crowds that they were drawing and that he could bring in. Him and Owen had the best matches of their lives together without any belt involved. Yeah, that's the crazy part. And they, they would have a lot of matches that, uh, you know, would be on TV that were never for a title to. And it's like, man, the story itself between the two of them carried the show so much. And we remembered it. We never forgot it. They would have a raw match like in 96. They'd have a raw match in 94. Uh, even Owen interferes in the, the Rumble match in 95, like out of the blue, you know, like out of nowhere. Owen hits the ring. And it's it, it, that feud worked, but with Brett, you know that in that book, yeah, that I can recommend that book to anybody. It's the best wrestling book that's ever been written because Brett is has such a great memory and detailed so many important parts and wrote stuff down. And you know, not to say I, I believe everything he says, but like, damn, he makes everything way believable. And guess what? That goes right back to what he's doing in the ring right now, and that's oh. his work. He's a storyteller. <laughs> I mean, he has such a vivid imagination that comes out in his work and in his book. I don't, you know, I, we, we've talked about the, who is the leader of the new generation over and over and over. And I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say. I mean, Brett, he's got to be, man, maybe he's the leader. I don't know if did anybody say Brett? <laughs> I can't remember. I'm going to change the top five. I don't know if he was up at the top though, but, but 
I don't think they could have got through it without him, to be honest. Especially after looking say, back at all of this, I don't. I, I have a whole new appreciation of Brett after I'm declassified now. I'm going to say Brett, and if you go back and check the tape, I always said Brett. So don't uh, don't at me. It's always been Brett for me. So you're, just taking away that man, you're taking away the Mantar pick now, huh? <laughs> yeah. Now Mantar can take a back seat for the leader of the new generation. Uh, but you know, just a, a, what a great opponent though to to showcase. Um, this match again you got the you know William Shatner being the B part of the story but you know in the ring I mean these two guys just working so well together and Jeff Jarrett I don't think always gets a lot of the credit that he deserves for his work uh as a heel especially during this time as he was working his way up the card from just like an opening match heel to what would be his intercontinental champion you know the uh the, the country music star the lights the flashing jacket and the hat and, you know, one of the more memorable intercontinental champions of all time. And, and you put him in a, the ring with a guy like Brett and, you know, and, a, and Vince with this eye, he's watching and he sees, you know, Jeff Jarrett was money at this point. And this is a great, um, this is a great, so we talk about the build for the show might not have been great for the Royal Rumble, but here's your guy, your challenger for the world championship and your challenger for the intercontinental championship, uh, having a, a, an awesome match uh, to close out this show. And two guys that grew up in the business, two second generation stars, yeah, and they, they know what they're doing in there, and they're doing a hell of a job. You know, the last week on uh, the January 9th edition of Monday Night Raw, it actually featured Howard Finkel defeating Harvey Whippleman in a tuxedo match. Oh, uh, the, the, the epic tuxedo match. See, there's a memorable moment, too, from back then. See, you say epic, and I say uh, questionable. <laughs> I say I remember I believe- that a lot more than I remember the Rumble. <laughs> I believe Howard Finkel has uh, raw on his uh, his butt, if yes. I uh, if, if I am so correct to say that. Um, didn't say franchise, that's for sure. That's true. Now only one reveal had that. Now how about the fact that on the prior week's show as well, and this again the 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 smart booking uh, of the 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 brain trust at that point, Owen Hart takes on Razor Ramon. So now oh. you have that connection to this match. Razor Ramon taking on Jeff Jarrett and Brett Owen. So it's those little things, those little, little things, but not to be found on this show, the, the WWF champion diesel. He's not on either one, but you don't that this shows you back then. You did not need that every week to be in your face. So stop keep talking about he's still in your back of your mind. You know, what's coming up and the, the mystique of him not being on there. just makes that match even more intense. Well, we'll go a little bit deeper into the dark matches of the show. Now, Diesel was at this event, but not on the Monday Night Raws. He took on Bob Backlund earlier in the show, um, and it was Bob Backlund with Shawn Michaels. So how's that for a, uh, a weird spot? And how about this one? Lex Luger takes on his old nemesis, Tatanka, with Mark Henry in his corner. Mark? Really? I thought Mark it was Henry. a year or two before he showed up like as a guest. Yeah, well, they're, in, they're in Houston, so I'm sure wow. Olympic champion Mark Henry in the corner of the man made in the USA, Lex Luger. That was great for the house. It was great for the pop. Yeah. And I uh, yeah, several years from now, I did that, 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 that's a good memory tidbit I'd forgotten about. And then how about this one? You want to talk a little uh, triple threat action? Uh, Chris Candido makes his debut in a dark match against Barry Horowitz earlier on in the night. 
Was Sonny there too? Uh, this just says Chris Candido pins Barry Horowitz. So it's uh, it's just one of those things. You know, it was a big night, but only taping two shows, not taping three like they normally would. And they jammed all that into the, the dark match portion of the show. It's uh, it's fascinating to me. Um, and then, you know, I love looking at like what the house show loop looked like at that point. And basically all these different iterations of the matches that we would see on this show, like the house show had some variation of it in some way, uh, shape or form, uh, minus, you know, like, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, wink the clown defeating cheesy, uh, from the King's court. Uh, we didn't get that one. That was New Haven, Connecticut at the New Haven Coliseum. We missed uh, well that one. But, I, you know, and I again, I love looking at the loops and I love looking at where they were going. So New Haven, Connecticut, Long Island, New York, Providence, Rhode Island, the Meadowlands, East Rutherford, Madison Square Garden, and then all the way down to Lafayette, Louisiana for the Royal. Oh, excuse me, not Lafayette, Louisiana, Tampa, Florida. For the 1995 Royal Rumble. My old home. So have you you been to the uh, Sundome before? Oh, many. Yeah, I mean, I went to college there. So Sundome was literally my home of seeing sports and concerts. But at the time I was there, WWF had stopped coming at that point. So I was. Oh, okay. It's unfortunate that I missed out by that time. Yeah, I I think this is the second Royal Rumble to be at the Sundome. If yeah. I uh, if I'm correct, I believe 1990 was at the Sundome, uh, but, you know, just a, a great spot. But I love that they're on that East Coast loop in right. January in the cold, cold, cold. And they take it all the way down to Tampa, Florida um, for the complete opposite weather. And I'm sure the guys are really happy about that. But, man, that is crazy to go. Uh, Connecticut, <laughs> New York, New Jersey, Tampa. So did you make any all, of hey, those up in the Northeast? No, none of those shows. No, and I'm just checking the uh, the um, the cards here, and you know, just some interesting matchups <laughs> for sure. Did not make those, but you know, the uh, the Meadowlands. I would have called that my home territory if I hadn't been to the Garden a million times. So here comes William Shatner in the ring. He just oh, he just gave a stiff forearm there to the roadie. The roadie takes a seat. What a great job here! I love him. Look at it. Oh, here he comes. Yep. Side sidestepped, he he, he face plants, and there's he William Shatner helping like Brett. Look at Brett. Look at Shatner. Oh, he's got Rhodey by the the do rag, and there he goes. Oh, right into the turnbuckle. Ooh. Oh, yes. Now Rhodey Rhodey selling his ass off uh, for <laughs> Shatner. Are they, what must, are they doing here? This must what what got Rhodey? Uh, one his, his one more time. Here we go. One more. Sends him into the. Oh, he's going over. <laughs> See, hey, you only get one Shatner take. In the Rumble. Look at that. That's. You know what? That's crazy. Why the hell was that not? <laughs> Couldn't you have held him off a week and he could have been in Tampa? But you know what? I guess you don't want to stack it. Come on. Pam Anderson, Lawrence Taylor, and, and William Shatner. Um, what, a, what a combination. Uh, yeah. See, that would have been a memorable uh, Rumble right there. Yeah, with the celebrities. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, a great show to look back on. Again, the, it was that opening match that caught my eye. Great work in just a couple of minutes by those guys. And before we wrap it up, we have a Diesel commercial Love. for 
Slim Jims. Now, you pointed this one out to me that I found to be interesting, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head. It's almost like they had some leftover Slim Jim obligations that they needed to get since the Macho Man just uh, departed, and Diesel with a weirdo Slim Jim commercial. Just very, uh, very strange, but well. You know, hey, what are you gonna do? Like placed in the odd time at the end, they're like that too. It just blew me away. And then to recap the tag title tournament, it, it just this this show itself is very odd. Um, but hey, nonetheless, and there's another great one, a rare Sioni, aka the Barbarian, that's <laughs> yeah. a replacement head shrinker getting rolled up by Bam Bam. Um, but uh, yeah, if you have a chance to check out this show, I'd say go ahead and do it. It's a quick watch. It's a fun walk down memory lane, you know, and it, and it shows you how some things are lost. Squash matches, you know, tag team wrestling. And, and to me, not that long of a match. Uh, a four to five minute match to me sometimes suffices. And it doesn't always need to be an epic, long encounter. Um, Storytelling. No, exactly. I mean, these three segment matches that they have now are just like, who wants to watch that? And uh, this is uh, this is definitely one. It's qu- like I said, quick watch. Put it on when you're doing your cardio. Go run on the treadmill for, for 35 minutes. And, you know, that's it. Actually, no, you know what? And I'm saying the show like it's over, but they're wrapping up with the King's Court again with the Million Dollar Corporation. Nothing really stands out here. So that's why I'm not really covering it and uh, sitting on the edge of my seat. It's just kind of a... You know, we're, we're going to do this at the uh, the Rumble deal. But it gives us a good look at the uh, uh, the Million Dollar Corporation with two druids, of course. One one quick note on that, and I'm sure you know this. You know who one of those druids are, right? Is who You tell me who's one of the druids. The, the tallest one there. Prime time, Brian Lee. Oh, there and there you go. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's an interesting one, a.k.a. the under faker. Yeah, which I which I hate that name, so I hate saying that. So I did that to spite myself. Uh, But we'll wrap it up for us this week. Like I said, go watch this; it's a great one. And if you're checking us out, yeah, if you're checking us out for the first time or second time, you know we're gonna go back and look at shows like this. Sometimes we're gonna go back and look at um, parts of it and things you might not expect. Like I said last week, I I just watched one interview. Uh, from March to WrestleMania 1994, the Macho Man with Vince McMahon. And it's to me, it's the antithesis of what I wanted to do this show for. It's just showing you stuff that maybe you didn't know existed or telling you something that you may never heard before. Um, but other shows we did, like looking at the merch and looking at Diesel's title reign. It's it's stuff like this that as we uh, move forward, you'll see a lot of cool stuff. And possibly next week, a special guest joining us. Uh, one thing I will never do is I will never pre-announce who a guest is in case they don't show up. So there could be a guest next week. And if there is, we will all be very enlightened and very happy. But uh, if you want to check out more for us, it's TMPTEmpire.com for all the podcasts and everything going on in the TMPT world. If you want to follow me on Twitter and on Instagram, it is at Chad EMB. You can catch me on there. You can catch me with uh, Francine, eyes up here. And you can also catch us on the Russo brand for the Triple Threat podcast. Uh, You're missing out if you don't catch any of those uh, in your regular routine. But, uh, Timmy, before we wrap it up, why don't you tell the fine folks where they can find you and uh, anything that you've got going on? Just find me on Twitter at AzDeferon. I've spelled it a few times. I'll leave it at that. And just want to kind of jump on your uh, Triple Threat and Francine and all your your 
things you got going on, man. The best podcast in the business. So everybody should be listening if they're not already. Be like Tim and take a listen because that's uh, the smartest thing anybody said tonight on this broadcast. But that's enough out of us. Next week, we'll come back with a little more fun, a little more new generation goodness. If you've got any suggestions, please feel free to hit me up. Every single person that has reached out to me to tell me how much they're enjoying the new show, I appreciate it. And your feedback is welcome and appreciated as well as anything else that you could bring uh, to the table. Throw a topic out there, why don't you? Throw throw me something that uh, maybe I've never seen or uh, you want me to talk about. Always open to suggestions. Uh, so for uh, the new generation declassified, this is the old Chadster, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.